0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every
1: Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry.
0: Hello everybody, it's Upworthy Weekly and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer at Upworthy who's hey, actually I have a background in podcasting. And if any of you guys ever want to hear one of the funnier things I've done, a show called The Original Kings of Podcasting I did a while back. It's a nice introduction if you want to hear some funny stuff. Uh, and season one is the place to start, not season two. You won't know what's happening. Season one—that's a pretty good one. Check that out. Uh, but with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. Allison is the host of, the, she's the host of the super popular podcast. Allison Rosen is your new best friend, and childish, which she does with some guy called Greg Fitzsimmons. Uh, and then uh, you heard her; she was on the Adam Carolla show for four years, and she's been on at. Midnight, which was on Comedy Central. Is that, does that work? Is that...
1: that works for me, yes. Grade A, Todd. You know what's funny is you are now writing and you have a background in podcasting, and yes. I'm now podcasting, but I have a background in writing.
0: I think we've, we've gone reverse in our, like a reverse figure right. eight. But you know, all the deci- yes. all the decisions you've made in life have led you to this, to right here, staring at me.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if that's like as depressing as it sounds. But in the same way, the the
0: opposite way as well. Every decision (laughs) I made in my life. Well,
1: for you, this is a step up. Come on. (laughs) But for me, I expected more out of life. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't, I really enjoy being cruel to you. And I don't know why. And I'm sorry. I don't think of myself as a cruel person. And yet you draw this out. Of me, Todd. I don't know why.
0: I feel like you want to bully me, and especially I know on
1: Twitter. And I'm such a pacifist.
0: It kind of you're like a cyber bully to me. Like maybe if this was 1999, <laughs> I'd call you a cyber bully. You
1: know, Allison yes. Rosen, cyber I'm bully. I'm sorry. It's Do a- we need to have a safe word?
0: Oh, like when it really starts to hurt.
1: Yeah, because like I said, I consider myself basically a pacifist. Um, and I don't like when people are sad or lonely, so I don't know why i I'm turning into this person around you I need to do I need to start with the gal in the mirror
0: <laughs> i think if maybe if I use the word me that'll that'll mean I'm actually meepos? hurting yeah,
1: you know where balky's from does that
0: mean? where balky's from on perfect strangers. oh, you know yes, me okay. I mean, that's traditionally been my safe word
1: through all the different, you know, <laughs> relationships I've had through life. That's so personal. All right, I was going to suggest like pineapple or something, but we can do me posts. Well, actually, you
0: no. Know, pineapple does have connotations, I think, in the swinger community.
1: Oh, maybe that's why I'm thinking of it. Not that I've been in that community, but I think I've read about it. What does it mean?
0: I think if you go to maybe a resort or some place where there might be other swingers, if you wear a pineapple on your clothing, it's it's a tell.
1: Yes. And I think I read something about like putting a pineapple, some kind of pineapple figurine or light or something outside your front door. That indicates something as well. And then I was thinking back on my old dentist. his He always wore Hawaiian shirts and his website is festooned with pineapples. And mm. I thought, hmm, a little more to him than I thought. You know maybe s- swinging seems
0: like a a dentisty type of thing to do. I don't know why,
1: yes, I mean no shade to dentists, however, do you have the same experience I do, which is somehow they seem to never know what phase of life you're in, like I am middle age at this point, I mean a young middle age, but up until very recently, every time I would go to the dentist, so still in school. You know, this is actually me just me, just me bragging about looking young, but I just feel like I've as far as my dentist is concerned, I've been in school for 25 years.
0: Well, I think maybe it's your dental age because you have you have nice teeth. You know, that maybe <laughs> like maybe if you died in a horrific car wreck and there was nothing left but your dental records, they'd be like, "Oh, she was 24." You know, and they'd never be able to oh find God. out who you were when you when you when you pressed on you'd be a missing person forever.
1: You're right. I never I mean thank you very much. I never considered that. But I was thinking that my dentist Mr. Pineapple was taking in the totality of me when really I'm just like a set of chattering teeth. That's all he's looking at. That's all he sees. Think about think about what your gynecologist sees.
0: Mine? Yeah, mine's a little confused. Probably not yours, but mine. Yeah. <laughs> She's She's 98. How, you know, how's retirement (laughs) been, Ms. Rosen?
1: I think we should get on to our stories Um, here. I agree. Okay. So, Todd, imagine you're asked out on a date... And then ahead of the date, the dude sends you a Google form to fill out indicating your date preferences. This is from a story that ran on Wednesday by Jissa Joseph with the headline, Woman Blown Away After Friend Asks Her Out on a Date and Sent Her a Google Form to Fill Out. And when I heard Google form, I thought, I didn't have the most positive connotation. I have to say, I thought, "Hmm, I don't know about that." But then, as I read on, I came around, just like the vast majority of people who've seen a TikTok about this. So, the form begins by congratulating the woman, Katrina Froze, on scoring a date with one Graham McCarthy of Vancouver. Of, Van- <laughs> of, <McCoover>, of Vancouver of Vancouver. of Vancouver. You have agreed to go on a date with Graham. Congratulations, it says. He promises a good time with your preferences in mind. And then the form includes questions like on a scale of one to five, what is your preference in terms of fancy schmancyness? And then more multiple choice questions about date activities like do you prefer dinner and a movie, dinner and Imagine Van Gogh, hike or outdoor options, etc. And also uh, forms where she can fill in her own preferences. And she described the date as lovely. And then after the date, she received a cheeky exit interview. She made a video all about this on TikTok, which has gone viral and received, as of now, 5.7 million views. Uh, She's also done some follow-up videos. And get this, she says she and Graham are now long-distance dating. So it worked out for him.
0: So, Allison, how would you respond to this? Let's say, again, after the inevitable happens and the uh, anvil uh, crushes the skull of uh, your star-crossed lover. my husband. Yeah. So what happens? You have to get back into the dating world, and then you you find some guy in Canada that you think is just peachy keen, and so then he sends you uh, this Google form fill. How do you react?
1: I... If he did it in the same... Okay, when I first heard it, I thought that seems very robotic almost. Like, is this just some standard form that he sends to dates and I don't like this? But then when I read it and I realized all the effort he had put into customizing it for her, um, I was really charmed by it. And I thought, you know, if I received this, I would really like it. Back in the... uh, Despite how young my teeth make me seem... (laughs) What I'm about to say is going to age. So back in the MySpace days, I remember I and MySpace was just a social network. It was not a dating site. But, you know, most social networks have the uh, the the opportunity for to, to meet people. And this guy and I were chatting and then he asked me out and he sent me. It was like a 14 point list of reasons I should go out with him and it was so funny and charming i totally wanted to go out with him after i received this so i think most people if it sh- if it if it's done in a funny way and it shows that they are really like creative and eager to go out with you i think that that is is very likable well i like the
0: idea of the guy who did the 14 point list of like selling himself like in a cute yeah. and funny way like i like that what what I don't like about the Google form fill guy is and please correct me if I'm wrong. But I will. I think there's something that I, I feel weird that whenever we talk about things we really generalize to like heterosexual relationships, but yes. I I think that in general that women like a guy who can figure things out on his own, like it, that he made all the right choices without having to ask you that like he could read your mind, or he was being creative, he knew what Mm. was going to be romantic, versus asking you. like To me, it sounds like if if I got my wife a Christmas present, and it was something that she said she had on her Amazon wish list, I think it's very forgettable. But if I went out and I put my heart into something, and I showed I cared, I thought about it, and I considered who she is, then she's going to love that gift, even if it's something she didn't necessarily want. Um, And I think in planning dates, I think if if a woman – if a woman – if this person has too much – if she just filled out the dots, even though he was being cute, um, it showed no forethought on his point. So I think it it starts off as cute, but I think in the end it leaves the viewer cold.
1: Well, it leaves – it left you cold, Todd. I think that you and Graham would not be a good couple. However – I I hear what you're saying, but the reason I think it's different in this case is that there there was a lot of forethought and customization in the form. So a lot of the things he mentioned as potential date activities were things that they had discussed ahead of time. So I don't know. And also she's just putting in her input and then he is designing the date around her input. So I think he is showing initiative. With my husband, if we're choosing a restaurant, I want to talk through, and this, I don't know, again, with the gen- generalizations, but I don't know if all men hate this or just my husband. The sense I get is they all do. But I want to talk through all the options oh. and then have some input. And then also... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Do you need smelling salts? Come back, Todd. I well, I think, I think you've
0: talked about many times how maybe you're... A little slow when it comes to making decisions.
1: Very slow. So
0: I think that, that it appeals to that. Somebody told me the the best thing to have, which I like, which is you have Tinder for restaurants, and both you and your significant other sit in different oh. rooms, and you swipe left, swipe right on restaurants for that night. You don't have to talk about it, and you get a match. Like, okay, cool, we're going to the fish grill. Like, we're good. We don't have to sit. What do you want? I don't want that. We had that last week. I, I want something healthier. Right? And it's just, uh Ugh.
1: That's... That's a great idea.
0: Gen Xers are explaining that weird moment in the late 90s when everyone got into swing music. It's written by Todd Perry. Every Gen Xer remembers a small moment in time when swing music was extremely popular in the late 90s. Swing went from non-existent to an alt-rock radio mainstay from 1996 to 1998, and then it was gone in a flash. During that time, young people rushed into the their newest, near, nearest dance studios to learn the Lindy Hop and bought old-school retro suits and fedoras. Swing clubs started popping up all over the country. And MTV played swing-inspired videos such as Hell by the Squirrel Nut Zippers, Jump and Jive and Wail by the Brian Setzer Orchestra, and You and Me and the Bottle Makes Three by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Film editor Simone Smith asked Gen X on Twitter to explain what the hell was going on in the late 90s that led to swing music making a huge comeback. Can, and she wrote, can a Gen X please explain why y'all got really into swing music for like two years in the 90s? <laughs> and the, the one, one of the funniest responses was this guy, Michael, said, as a member of Gen X, I'm touched that anybody asked us anything. <laughs> because, in general, if anybody who is a member of Gen X knows that it's like the fight between the boomers and the millennials, and now Gen Z is coming up hating on the millennials, and Gen right. X, the coolest generation, uh, we're just watching everybody. You know, we're, sit- we're-, we're Michael Jackson eating the popcorn in the meme while uh, everything else yes. goes to hell around us. and
1: Yes, but, but people forget You're right. They forget about Gen X all the time. I think we are maybe a smaller generation, like years-wise. However, it's weird. We are completely excluded from the conversation. I say no more. Mm. They will hear what we have to say.
0: Right now on this show.
1: Right. <laughs> We're going to turn it around for our generation, even though basically we don't care. Whatever, man.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. I think we would betray ourselves if we tried to make ourselves the voice of Gen X. Cause You're right, because
1: Gen X doesn't want a voice.
0: We're already doing what we're supposed to be doing. But for a little while, we got really into swing music for some reason. And do you remember this happening, Allison?
1: Oh, yeah. It's funny to for me to think of it as a, a weird curio or as like a relic because... Until now, I hadn't thought about the fact that it was just a blip and then it kind of went away. But it was was such a huge part of a certain time of my life. I remember going to the I didn't dress up like a swing person and start learning dances and things. But I remember going to the Derby and hearing this band Love Jones, who I maybe were featured in swingers. I can't remember. They were like a lounge band Um, that and that was kind of adjacent to the whole swing thing. It was so popular.
0: Yeah, I I never went to the derby, but I had friends that went to the derby and uh, would say, hey, Todd, go to the derby. And I'm like, no, because I'm not like a good dancer. I had a girlfriend once try to teach me the hustle and I just <laughs> I can't do it, like can't do any of it. So I think it was maybe I might have wanted to get in on that action, but I was just maybe too nervous and I knew that I'd have to buy a suit to do it. And that just seemed like too much work, Yeah, you know? Yes. But so what was it like? Being a swing kid in 1997.
1: I don't think I was really a swing kid. hmm But there was, you know, but I did grow up in Orange County. And uh, in my mind, it's all like the rockabilly scene, swing, custom cars, later ska, cherry pop and daddies, the zoot suits. All of this is just a big... Like amalgamation in my head. And I can't remember how much they were really separate scenes, but I'll, you know, many of my friends looked, styled themselves like Betty Page. Everyone oh. had like greased up pompadours. They called them butterheads, um, which is funny because it's like they were hot, but their heads weren't. That's what I always think <laughs> when I hear butterheads, but they did call them butterheads. Uh, yeah, it was a whole thing. And, but, but to your point, you can't. You couldn't just dabble in the scene. You had to really commit, right? And it it, it was a whole style. And it
0: went so quickly. It was gone so quickly yeah. that nobody. I'm sure there's one guy that bought the suit, showed up, and nobody was there one night. It was like, <laughs> right. so I'm here for some voodoo cherry popping. Is that going on still? <laughs> we we still doing the make the furnace song. We doing that, <laughs> and yeah. So oh, I, what they would call it the, the butterheads in my neighborhood, they were called rocka silly. Oh, that's
1: good, too. Yeah,
0: you got made fun of that way. Um, But I guess, uh, according to some research I did, uh, a guy who wrote for Billboard said that it all started when a punk band called Youth Brigade, who I remember seeing Mm. uh, maybe in the early 90s, started a group called World Crown Review. Yeah, And they started playing at the Derby. World Crown Review, I remember the guy was kind of like a wise guy, kind of acted like a mobster kind of thing. And they did that song mm-hmm. like Broads at the Beach or some gr- Something watching Girls at the Beach was the song. And then they started the thing at the Derby and then Big Bad Voodoo Daddy came in. And then they were in Swingers, which started a mm-hmm. whole two years of guys calling each other money, which was horribly annoying. After yes. like the first week of it was funny, and then there was, hey, your money, man. You're like, no, I'm not. This is <laughs> this, I'm making twenty five k a year at Sears. I, I'm not money at all. This is
1: <laughs> all right. So this next story involves a hospice nurse who explains that there is a phenomenon that often happens right before someone dies. Where I'm sorry, this is a it's a that was a very sharp turn from swing to. Uh, what happens before you die. So take a beat. Here we go. Well, well maybe... So I, anyway oh, wait,
0: real, real quick, I was Maybe I should put in that highly controversial uh, swoosh noise that, yeah. uh, that one listener said almost gave her a heart attack and she wants like a trigger warning before right. the swoosh. But then there was a guy also on Twitter who was like, I heard the swoosh in my truck and it was amazing. And he understood that I panned it left to right. And it was a fantastic... Yeah work of audio production. So if we just put the swoosh in right here, then we can change the emotional climate of the show.
1: And I think it's interesting that you're obscuring the fact that your wife dislikes the swoosh.
0: Yes, which means we'll never hear it on the show.
1: (laughs) I feel like I'm pro swoosh. I say maybe just turn it down a tiny bit. This next story involves a hospice nurse who explains that there's a phenomenon that often happens right before someone dies, where they suddenly look and seem much better. This is not like a surprise sudden death. This is someone who's ailing and yeah. uh, you know dying of of old age or illness. Um, they might walk around, eat food, talk to loved ones. It's referred to as the rally. And this is from a story that ran on Friday by Setharaman S. Uh, with the headline, Hospice Nurse Reveals Unexplained Phenomena That Happened Just Before Death, Including the Rally. So a hospice nurse named Julie McFadden, who posts on TikTok as Hospice Nurse Julie, explains that the rally, which again, they can't explain, is a brief interval that can last up to a few days. Uh, about a third of Patients at her hospice experience the rally, and she always informs families of this phenomenon ahead of time to prepare them for this sudden change. A German researcher who refers to it as terminal lucidity reported that about 84% of people who experience it die within a week, and 42% die that very day. It's also been dubbed the last hurrah or the final goodbye. Uh, And in the comments, a veterinarian said that this is also seen in pets. Uh, and hospice nu- nurse Ju- Julie um, shares a lot of information about the process and what happens before you die. Also, apparently, it's pretty common that someone who is um, on their way to passing on will see will will either have dreams or think they see family members who have already passed on, pets, etc., and that this is not scary to them; it's comforting to them. Um, And in another video, Julie pointed out, actual death is not painful. Our bodies are built to be born and built to die. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: That's uh, that's very interesting because I can recall I had a grandmother. uh, She was 93 and and passed away. And she was in like a a care place uh, because she was like having rehab after going to the hospital. And she was, you know, she's going to go on hospice. And, you know, she was obviously not in great shape. But the night before, she kind of went to bed for the last time and then stayed there for a couple of days and passed away. We sat on her um, chair in her house and we sat and gabbed and it was like she was totally fine. It was this weird thing where we just sat and laughed and she was just enjoyed herself and just all smiles. And we had this wonderful conversation. And then like two hours later, she basically just like lied down and uh, pressed on. So when I was when I heard about that, the rally, I was like, Oh my god, I've seen it before because it was like, Oh, is she gonna be fine for a while now? Is this mm-hmm. it? And then it was over. So yeah, I think that's that's a mysterious thing, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think it's such um a service that Hospice Nurse Julie is doing by making people aware of this. And I've heard of this I have heard of People who were extra confused when their sick pet suddenly acted healthier and they thought, oh, it, this is turning around. They're going to be OK. And then, yeah. they, you know, it, it is devastating when, oh, wh- wh- I guess I, I guess that was not the case. So it's nice for people to know that this is. A documented thing that happens. Um, so, a lot of people in the comments to this video shared their own experiences with the rally, um, and someone said that they think of it as a chance for uh, the dying and their loved ones to address unfinished business. Mm.
0: And it's 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 great that this hospice nurse tells people ahead of time because you want to get ahead of that, right? Yeah, you
1: don't want to go. Very much so.
0: <laughs> hey, guys, I know everything looks great now. But this is not a good indicator of things to come, you know. Right. Yeah.
1: I I see that you're having a wonderful time and you feel better, but you don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. You you might want to prolong the rally a little bit, like tamp tamp it down a little bit. Um, Exactly. What I wonder about this is, you know, most things have, you could tie it to some kind of evolutionary reason for kind of Mm -hmm. most instinctual things that people do. And I can't. I can't understand why we would have evolved to have this phenomenon happen because it's not like unless it would be something where you get this last gasp for your last attempt, uh, at, at survival. Like your, your body knows to harness up a certain amount of energy to give one last push to survive.
1: Well, that's what I'm thinking. Again, not a doctor, Mm. but I feel like I should be one. Um, I feel like I should be taken seriously as a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but. Well, you did your uh, own research.
0: You always say that. I did my own research.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm wondering if it's, yeah, some kind of like compensatory mechanism, like the body's reaction. I mean, I, I think I'm paraphrasing what you had said. Like the body's reaction to things becoming quite dire is like a sudden burst of adrenaline or steroids or whatever is in the body to try to to try to counteract what's happening it's just a a guess
0: well on to something a little more cheery swoosh
1: (laughs) you are (laughs) just laughing laughing at the swoosh
0: Here are seven amazing trends the media ignores that'll make you feel great about the future. So uh, recently I did an interview with a a gal named, uh, uh, what was her name? I wrote it down here. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Follette, who works for an organization called the Cato Institute. If you've heard of them, they're like a political think tank. And she, she, writes she's the editor of a publication of cato called human progress and it's basically people who are putting out all the positive trends that are happening in the world um that most people aren't talking about or know about like but well the middle class is shrinking in america but it's not because people are doing worse it's because actually people in america are getting richer just the average person know this yeah so what happens is like since 1970. Like, we have in America pretty much the same percentage of people. I mean, it changes a little bit year by year, but that are in poverty and those that are working class is kind of stable. But the amount of people in the middle class has decreased by like 6% because you've had this massive rise in like an upper middle class in America. And more people are rich now as a percentage of society than in 1970. Obviously, you have your crazy rich or whatever, but in general, the average American is doing better now than they were 50 years ago. That's not to say there's not poverty and there's not societal problems we have, but in general, um, we've had this whole revolution of the the upper middle class, which has come Mm -hmm. in. And so that's taken some people from the middle, but actually in general- uh, the average person is doing better than they did fifty years ago. Which interesting people on the left, obviously, you'll have like you know, like the Bernie Sanders types. But the middle class is shrinking. You know, we got to save the middle class, and that's not saying there aren't problems. You know, whether it's the cost of education or health care, whatever. But in general, uh, the middle class has prospered into the upper middle class in many cases. Or you have people on the right, kind of the populist Trump types. It's like the middle class is shrinking because, you know, your work is going overseas or, you know, immigration Mm -hmm. is killing that or whatever. But actually, in general, aside from what the pundits are saying, the numbers show that there's been a very positive trend um, socioeconomically for America over the past 50 years.
1: I had no idea. You know, it's funny. I've heard the middle class is shrinking so many times, and I never really stopped to think, like what what is that? What are the implications? And also, what are they suggesting when they say that? Yeah, but it sounds like they're both sides are spinning it to fit their agenda, right? Because you're
0: not going to run for office like, hey, everything's great, <laughs> right? right? That that tends not to get anybody. <laughs> uh, too riled up Hey, crap's fine, but vote for me Because, you know, you like like me on TV, right? You know uh, Another thing that's amazing Especially since 1990 Is violent crime has dropped like a rock So even though the news media and politicians Would like people to think otherwise The number of Americans who reported violent crime Has been cut in half since 1990 And just a couple years ago It was hovering around like The same numbers we had in the early 60s uh, but it, it, upticked a little bit like last year, I think, cause of COVID and all the social upheaval that came with that. So, but in general, you are much safer in America right now than you were 30 years ago. Um, cause you know, the late eighties, early nineties crime was really terrible. Like if you look at the murder rate in Los Angeles then versus now, it's like 20% of what it was in like 1991. Um,
1: yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but I don't worry about being murdered very often. That's good. Anymore.
0: Well, maybe yeah. you're just confident.
1: <laughs> maybe? maybe I'm too confident. Yeah. I might brush too close to that anvil.
0: Yeah. It's not you who should be worrying.
1: <laughs> this uh, is so tr- Is that murder, though? Well, it depends or on... Or would that just be accident?
0: Depends on where the anvil came from. You're right. We don't oh. ask. That's that's a metaphysical question. <laughs> uh, right.
1: Depends what you believe. That's right. Uh,
0: and then finally, one more cool one is extreme poverty rates are on a steep decline throughout the world. In 1981, 44 percent of the pop of the world lived in extreme poverty, in, which is less than a dollar ni- ninety per person per day. In 2015, wow. it was nine point six percent. So there's been a 78 percent decline in um, worldwide poverty. And if you look, you have like developing nations like India, China. Uh, A lot of of places in Asia uh, where things have completely transformed. Uh, Lots of places in Africa where the economy is much better than it was years ago. Um, The developing world is doing much, much better. But nobody ever talks about it on the news because it's, um, as Chelsea said, uh, basically there's the nature of the media that... Sudden, noteworthy, and rare events are the ones that make the headlines. But long-term, slow, steady, and incremental progress is just not as interesting. So, and also, you wouldn't get that many people watching the news if, like, you know, Tucker Carlson tonight. The middle class is expanding into the upper middle class. I'm so angry. You know, <laughs> you're not you're not going to get right. r- Rachel Maddow going on a, a rant about that. So, yeah. Again, you know, and th- there's also a thing where they said. People who watch local news are way more afraid of crime than people who don't.
1: I'm not proud to admit this, but I have to say, upon hearing this stuff, the cynic in me is like wanting to say, wanting to yeah, but a lot of the positive things. And it's kind of eye opening about where my set point is or what I think about, uh, about where we are in, you know, today in the world, like, There's a lot of, in my mind, like, yeah, but COVID. Yeah, but this. Yeah, but that. Like, I think I'm realizing I kind of have a gloomy outlook right now.
0: Yeah, you want to hold on to that, and it's being threatened. So you're like, oh, God, now I don't know who I am anymore if I look at something too positive. But also there's a... (laughs) It's
1: it's so messed up.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) And there's a lot of people out there uh, who, if you tell them good news... They're going to, yeah, butt you because they think that by stating something positive, you're negating the fact that things need to change and improve. Right. Right. So
1: if I say, you like know. it suggests complacency.
0: That suggests that, that suggests that reporting that would be saying, oh, well, screw people who are in poverty. No, in no way mm-hmm. does it do that. It, go, it, it says, let's look at, you know, the way the economy has been set up or whatever that has led a lot of people uh, to become more affluent. And mm-hmm. what things can we do? that can ensure that and then also you know bottom up
1: do it it's time to rate your week have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world
0: tell us about it by emailing us at upworthy at upworthy dot com so allison on a scale of one through five one being terrible five being amazing. How was your week?
1: My week was a three. It was a pretty solid three. It was wasn't my best week ever. It was fine. Um, I visited my parents and I am an adult and so therefore it was uh, it makes me feel like I'm a teenager again. I feel like I regress. It's somewhat triggering and I bring that up because uh, Thanksgiving is around the corner, so I oh, imagine yeah. a lot of us are going to be feeling that.
0: Yes, it's it's a week of regression, everybody.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm listening to swing music again. Yeah.
0: Are you a better person than we were at the start of the week?
1: I don't think so. I don't think I'm necessarily worse, but I don't feel very improved. No. I would like. I wish I could say, "Oh yeah," I wish it's just steady in improvement, but it's a I'm pretty much the same as I was, although, you know, I'm very into Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. The episode this week was, oh, I mean, a a barn burner and a humdinger. It was so it was like the best episode of reality television ever. So the fact that I saw that I'm a better person for that.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you an out. Because if you can say that you watched The Real Housewives and you became a better person, not because you saw a great episode, but because you saw these people, realized they were horrible, and it made you a better person because you you saw such terrible behavior that you clutched your pearls and you felt you were a better person for condemning it.
1: Yes, I can do that. Um, There's like... So one, I'll make this very fast, but one of the housewives has been arrested uh, for money laundering and wire fraud. And people who are fans of the housewives on Watch What Happens Live and other housewives, people keep saying, like, do you think she's guilty? Do you think she's you know, innocent and they won't come out and just say what I think they're thinking, which is like, she's obviously guilty. They're just like, I don't know. I just hope she's innocent and they won't condemn her. So I will. Yeah. I think she's guilty. I think many of them are bad. Are you going to take go. a
0: stand right now that uh, you think, what's her name? Like Melissa Goldberg
1: uh, is Jen guilty. Shaw. Jen Shaw. Who's Melissa Goldberg? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa herden her- Fairman? Her- 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 this is. <laughs> heard and, must have hurt and fervent. She's innocent. Jen Shaw, I think she's probably guilty. Probably guilty. Well, I need to know, Todd, how was your week on a scale of one to five? One being terrible, five being amazing. I'm going to give it a four. Oh, wow.
0: And that's because on Sunday, I went to the Greek Theater in Los Angeles and I saw the final ever concert by the Monkees. Nice. With uh, Mickey Dolans and Mike Nesmith. And now. Well, the funny I feel like I have to preface every show I go to with the surviving members of Yeah. pretty much every concert I go to, uh, but uh, yeah, and I grew up watching the Monkees on TV. That was like my first introduction to like rock music, kind of, and like, and they were funny, and it was like, I just idolized the Monkees as a little kid, so being able to go to their last ever concert, it's also your friend Tony was at, um, I think it was really cool.
1: And our babysitter, and the parents of uh, of my son's really close friend from preschool, I'm beginning to feel like it was a party that everyone I know went to, and I wasn't invited, even though I could have gone.
0: You were not on the text chain. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm beginning to
1: feel left out.
0: And then wait, how
1: do you know? How do you know Tony went? How do you know Tony?
0: I, I saw him. Tony's t- my producer. I saw him tweet about it. OK, so he was
1: as long as you guys aren't hanging out without me.
0: Yeah, we, he's, he's coming over here, he's hanging out with the plumber outside Ooh. right now.
1: This wouldn't be it. This wouldn't be the first time Tony has stolen my friends. Oh, really? I mean, stolen is a little strong, but I just feel like everyone loves Tony. So all of a sudden I'll be discovering and he's lovable. But all of a sudden it's like a lot of people who have come on my show, they continue to have uh, uh, contact with Tony, and I just stand here going, "What is going on?"
0: Uh, you know, but maybe the people were tired of being bullied and felt safer if they were around <laughs> Tony.
1: I'm, be- I really am beginning to wonder. I think you're right. I, you know, maybe I think you're I, right. Tony's a human shield,
0: and all. Yeah, and also I had a good week because my son, who's five, he broke his arm
1: a while back. Oh no!
0: And oh. so he he got a he had a cast on on his right arm. So his arm was, you know, obviously immobile and kind of bent, at you know, with his hand touching his chest because mm-hmm. it it was broke near the elbow. So he had like a shoulder to, um, what was his wrist? wrist? Wrist. Wrist. Yeah, shoulder wrist cast. Wrist. And this was with his right hand. Now, oh no, unintended consequences is he destroyed the bathroom because his right hand was his aiming hand. Oh. And he couldn't get his hand down there, so he went left. He was, and it was just wild. He was untrained, <laughs> and so you'd get a surprise every time you sat on the toilet. There was I was constantly getting pee up off the ground, and it was like I almost wanted to tell him, "Hey, buddy, it's between you and me. I won't tell anybody. Sit down. It's okay. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna aim it much better." But yeah, so that was that was traumatizing. But now the kiddo's got his his arms fully in use, and my bathroom is now usable it no longer smells like you know uh you just got off the gold line in LA and walked past the bathroom <laughs> or whatever it's it
1: it now sounds civil are you a better person todd
0: well say i think that when we talked about a previous show where i had a, a problem with cutting people in the beer line and, yes. and the woman went crazy on me uh, you
1: didn't know you had had had, had taken cuts
0: I was a little chemically inconvenienced at the time and didn't realize <laughs> that I had cut the line and this, but this time I was very conscious when I walked up to the line to get my margarita, mm-hmm. they have very good margaritas at the Greek. I got to say, you know, 10 out of 10. Uh, and I'm walking I'll up. I'll tell them. Yeah, please. And I'm, I'm walking. Uh, Tony loves them too. I and mean, we were sitting there just cheersing. And, uh, you know. and it, it It hurts. We were talking about Smart. our favorite monkeys album, Head, <laughs> and Porpoise song. No, and we and I was sitting there and I, I looked. I stopped when I got in the line. I did a three sixty. Anybody behind me? Is there an oh, angry okay. shrew behind me? No, <laughs> and I made it through without incident.
1: So, Todd. Do you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about a story where an older man in England had um, fainted or collapsed and he was rescued by his Labrador and his golden retriever and his Labrador went and got help and the golden retriever stayed by his side. Well, here's a story about a 12 year old human who rescued a giant dog Uh, and and it's. It's people. So this story ran on Tuesday. It's by Heather Wake. And the headline is 12 year old saves a couple and their dog using a genius boy scout trick. A couple was hiking in Oahu when they got lost and were stranded without water or food and their cell phones had died. Also, it was getting dark and also with them was their hundred pound dog Smokey who was injured and couldn't walk help arrived in the form of a 12 year old boy scout and his mom. The boy made a stretcher using a big tree branch broken in half, and then he slid it through the armholes of the T-shirt. Sidebar, I, I'm under, not understanding what where the rest of the branch went and how they made a stretcher out of this, but I'm sure that's just a limitation of my own noggin. Um, so this is a trick that he had learned from his older brother, who was an Eagle Scout. And uh, apparently Smokey loved being carried on the stretcher. And the dog has since had his injuries checked out. He's on the mend. Everyone's doing well. And the 12-year-old boy <clears throat> told news sources who reported on this story, uh, quote, I think that when you help someone out, it's like there's something like joy in you that's just like, you know, you did something good that day. I like oh. that they transcribed it word for word. That feels very word for word for a 12-year-old boy. But the whole thing is so sweet yeah i
0: I like that he sat and and was able to fashion like Gilligan's Island style, yes. you know the stretcher and i also I just picture the dog on the stretcher kind of looking up like and kind of winking like yeah and, like this is the life, yeah, this is the life yeah. I got it you know and then and they take the dog out. I also feel yeah. bad for the people who got lost. imagine how humiliated you'd feel. If like the twelve year old rescues you, the twelve year old rescues like you're just sitting out there like I don't know, nothing we can. Do. You're like that episode of the Brady Bunch where they went to Hawaii, and yes. uh, like the the guys the got lo- the the guys got lost, you know, and they're just sitting there up, oh, nothing we can do, we're <laughs> screwed. There's no right, we're never making it back. And I don't feel like, I don't know, like Oahu. I don't, sounds kind of hard to get lost in Oahu the people that found them weren't lost you know right. they're just like walk hey hey what's going on what do you guys do? we're lost
1: how are you lost we're here well that's that's when it's like every sitcom where it's like didn't you hear the music there's a resort right there we came over from the resort yeah have a mai tai <laughs> um yes i think the impediment was the was smokey who was injured and couldn't walk so they couldn't really transport the dog. So they were stuck and worried about what was going to happen.
0: Ah, that's true. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Well, good for that kid, man. That that wouldn't have been me at 12. I...
1: No, me neither. But can we, I can we just address this, the, uh, the thing that is going around in my head? Okay. So, and I'm not an Eagle Scout. I wasn't even a Girl Scout. I was a Brownie, but I was not a Girl Scout. So this might be beyond my scouting sense, but the way they make the stretcher is they break a tree branch, slide it through the armholes of the shirt, but then how? Where's the support for the other branch? Like, what am I missing?
0: All right, v- visualize. Okay. Uh, I, I th- oh, think you, go, like a you go, you go, you go sp-
1: up, up, up the shirt. Oh You're putting your my hands- gosh. Oh yes, that's exactly it. All oh, right. I feel so silly. <laughs>
0: you're you're copping a feel from the front, okay?
1: Oh my god, you go, I you feel go up so the shirt, silly. But instead yes. of going
0: towards the center, you go to the right and then you go out, and but you're doing that with sticks.
1: Right. The key was up the armholes. I was thinking through the armholes, which would just leave you on one side. Um, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to cut all of that out and to make it sound like I got it from the beginning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can leave it in. I just feel real silly.
0: Here are 17 things people really miss about living in the 90s.
1: Ooh, can't wait to hear.
0: So I wrote this one, and I I saw that we already had the swing story, so I was maybe Mm going to do something else. But then I saw this story was doing like taking off and getting really popular, and it was basically just like a, a Reddit thread where somebody said, "What do you miss about the '90s?" And then, you know, a whole bunch of people piled on and uh, gave some great answers. Which almost every answer is they enjoyed a lot of things about that time that do not exist now because technology has just completely changed how we live. Yeah. And so, and I think that the interesting thing is uh, with you and I, Allison, two Gen Xers, is that. Our lives have kind of crossed both sides. Like When we were kids, we lived in the analog world. And then once Mm -hmm. we started to become adults or go to college, uh, we began living in the kind of technological internet world, right? Right. Um, But
1: we we do have a memory of a time before the internet.
0: Now that we live in the cyber world, (laughs) where the World Wide Web, the information Mm -hmm. superhighway is taken over. Oh, the superhighway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... We kind of we we kind of see both and know that obviously there's advantages to these days and and there were joys that happened then that we will never know mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Um, right. But some some of the ones that they had on here, the number one was you made plans without having to text people. Yes. You just be like, oh, I'll, on one Friday you'll be like, okay, I'll see you back here next Friday, and then if the person wasn't there, they're 20 minutes late. You just sat there. Mm-hmm. Or you talk to somebody that was hanging out around there because no one was staring at a phone. We were just hands in the pockets looking around, just nothing, maybe reading a book, you know. um that was that was kind of cool. but then uh, and then now you you always have to like confirm at the last minute because the text option is are you gonna be there? whatever before right. you just took people's word, and people had to just be not flaky. But if you were flaky, mm-hmm. then oh hell. You were the worst because you'd strand people. You just not show up, and no one could get in touch with you. We think right, and
1: they would they wouldn't know something had happened to you. Yeah, you just
0: wouldn't know. Yeah,
1: like yeah, it does take a minimum of four texts to meet someone now because it's like pulling up, heading towards. Okay, I'm here, just parked. All that.
0: Yeah, let's see here. And then it was another thing. It was people left you alone back in the day. Like if you finished work.
1: Like yeah. work didn't
0: call you if if work was to call you, that meant you were probably fired about something right. at least with the jobs I had. It was like, oh no, Sears is calling. what happened you know um, <laughs> and and then you didn't
1: shut the refrigerator, yeah, or then
0: also yeah, all of them uh, <laughs> yeah, and then obviously or if if you were like a kid in school, like when you got home from school, that was it. It wasn't like you were still communicating with people or whether they were like bullies. Like You you get bullied 24-7 now. Uh, Then Mm. you could at least, if school was miserable, you could leave it back there. But now everything's everything all the time. Uh, People miss hanging out at the mall. Like Back in the day, you wouldn't have any uh, real plans. You just go, let's go to the mall. And me and my friends just rollerblade over there. And you just walk around. Let's go into merry-go-round. Let's go into... Foot Locker. let's go and sit in walden books and look at magazines for i
1: don't know 90 minutes yes i did a lot of that i'm sorry i have a, a logistics question okay you rollerblade to the mall yeah and then you're on the merry do you take your rollerblades off when you get there no or do no. you continue you rollerblade around the mall and ride the merry-go-round in your rollerblades no
0: no no allison no merry-go-round was where you bought cavaricis
1: <laughs> i thought cavaricis were jeans
0: they were there. Oh, were, oh, it's yeah.
1: a store. Yeah. Oh, okay. The mall, <laughs> the <clears throat> the mall where I grew up had an actual merry-go-round with the horsies in it. Got so it. I thought you meant you would ride the merry-go-round, and I was like, "Oh, how quaint!" I stopped doing that much younger, but hey, different strokes for different folks.
0: No, no. I I, w- see. I was going to go buy myself a rayon <laughs> shirt and some Cavari and some Creeper shoes, and so I, I dressed like Parker Lewis. Uh, in yes. the 90s with the big wave in the hair. Zach Morris.
1: I loved Corin Nemec. Corin Corky Nemec. I had him on my podcast, actually. Oh, really? So, but just, I and I know you're trying to, no pun, skate out of this question, but so you would rollerblade into the store?
0: No, what you do is you tie the laces on the rollerblades and then you put them over your neck.
1: Oh, God. But you'd have. And, but you, ha- you'd you had not- other shoes with you.
0: Yes, because they were around your neck when you rollerbladed oh. over to the mall, and then you take it and you would exchange. But then the so but, but, that the rollerblades would be very heavy. You know, yeah. it would be like it sounds like you'd be choked. It's like you're walking in stocks. You know, like you're about to get <laughs> stoned. Uh, and so that was a problem. Once, when I was in sixth grade, I rollerbladed to the mall with my buddy Jesse. And it was Christmas time. Everybody was shopping. And we were just hanging out at the mall. And I was sitting, you know, on a, I don't know, mall bench. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing with my buddy and I fell backwards. and I oh, hi- sorry. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I'm <laughs> she, sorry. She's so mean. I'm so sorry. I'm she's sorry. So it was a sight. I wasn't ready for the sight gag. I fell
0: back and I hit my head on Ooh. one of those big planners. You know, like in the mall, they go, what should, what should go here in this book? I don't know, a palm tree. And there'd right. be like a 30-foot high palm tree in a massive yes. Ben-Hur huge planter. Yes. And I fell back and I hit my head and I was like laying on the ground and I touched it and I cracked my head open in the <gasps> mall. Oh, no! And I was beneath the
1: escalator. Oh, my God.
0: So every human being that came in and out going from like the bottom to the top, it saw me laying there, saw the paramedics show fly. up. There was a little bit of blood coming out. And then everybody was like on the escalator going up. I saw them. They give me like a thumbs up. Some people would just stare. And then you think, oh, I hope it's not the cute girl, Kim, from my middle school, like shopping with her right. family. You know? Uh,
1: Why? The f- it doesn't seem like a thumbs up situation. Was it like you got this, buddy? Pull through? Yeah, you got it. You're not
0: going to die. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Maybe you can learn how to sit in the mall without cracking your head open. Uh, you know, I got some bandages later. I was fine. But it was, you know, how you can get mortified by things at 44. But the 12-year-old being mortified in the mall
1: of all places. Last thing. I'm so- now I feel bad that I laugh. <laughs> you got to, if the story involves blood, tell me ahead of time and I'll make sure I don't laugh. Okay. That's where I draw the line.
0: Uh, the last thing is that people had a genuine good time. I feel like a lot of what people do these days, they go there just to take yes. the photo of it. Yes. Like they're like, I swear nobody ever went to the big bloom that happened. You know that big bloom of flowers, the super bloom. The yeah, super. Nobody did the super bloom before Instagram because nobody <laughs> actually. It actually wasn't that fun of a thing. But
1: <laughs> right, like, I But it's so picturesque.
0: It just seemed like, oh, how much Claritin am I going to have to take for
1: that? But
0: but because it's a photographable thing, all these people go out there and they take a photo and they go and they post it. I made it to the Big Bloom. I did the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's like when you're at a concert and some idiot next to you is filming the whole thing, It's like I just right. want to tap him and I go, guess what? 400 other people are doing the same thing. You can just find it on YouTube. And that guy <laughs> yeah. up there has better seats
1: than you do. So you can just right. watch his
0: video and you can enjoy the moment. Without having to document it, you know.
1: Yeah. I know if I go out and do anything social or Instagrammable or anything and I and I come home and I realize like, oh, I was it so in the moment I didn't pull my phone out. I feel proud of myself. Yeah. And then sometimes I think though, if it's a family thing, I think, oh, why did it would have been nice to have photos though.
0: Yeah, but you got enough. You got enough of that kid. I know. Those kids.
1: You're- you know. <laughs> You're right. I so there's this thing at Descanso Gardens, which is this um, botanical gardens in L.A. Uh, called Enchanted. It's like a holiday thing where they have all these light installations and it's really neat. And Daniel and I went there um, when I was pregnant with Elliot. So a few years ago and he was briefly on Snapchat. He's not anymore. But he was the, the whole thing was so Snapchatable for him, and I didn't have my phone out at all, which is kind of rare for me. But I didn't, Um and he spent the whole time just like Snap doing various Snapchats all around. And I thought, is this what it's like to hang out with me most of the time? And I hate it because <laughs> I was the one not doing it, and I was like just hanging out with him and his phone. It was like he took his phone out for a night, and I was a, the third wheel. Right, right, it was not fun.
0: Yeah. Well, I like how people immediately get judgy just because for a moment they don't have their phone out. Now they're the better person. Yeah. Like I've been sitting in a waiting room before, oh, and everybody called out, and everybody has their phones out, and I am just sitting there, and I am just like being judgy, like oh god, people can't spend a moment without staring at. Them. And then two seconds later, I am like, oh, what's on Twitter? And I'm <laughs> I am doing the same thing, and I am like, oh, screwed, yeah. I can't judge anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, I told you I have that book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And if I were my own therapist, I'd say, interesting that it's just sitting there. That you like, why are you not? It's a very small book. You could be done with it by now and have already broken up with your phone. And yet I'm just dragging my heels.
0: One day we should have a countdown, you know, just like a little clock in the, well, an audio countdown because this is an audio podcast, but of days between you uh, actually opening up that book.
1: Okay. Maybe I'll read a page today.
0: I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly with myself and the wonderful Miss Allison. If you're listening, one way that you can help us out is by leaving a review on your favorite podcast app, namely Apple. That You wouldn't understand how wonderful uh, that is for us if you could do that. So please, if you have a moment, right now, get on your – help
1: helps pull- people find the show, and we lo- we love to read them.
0: Yes. And so, and again, if you're not subscribed, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, and we're now on Amazon. So thank you guys very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Even though it's going to be uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, we're still going to do a show. So we'll, we'll talk to you we're guys gonna then. We're going to do it. Okay. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry.
1: Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.